Hey there, it's Coach Kim, and this is a Total Female Hockey Podcast, where we're going to help players, coaches, and teams take their game to the next level. Let's make some magic happen. Hey there, it's Coach Kim, and today we're going to talk about the eight keys to having a great game. Now today we're going to talk about this from the perspective of a player, but obviously if every player on your team did it, it's going to increase the chances you have a great game. And even as a coach, if you take care of some of these habits, it's absolutely going to make you feel better and probably make you coach a better game as well. I want to give a quick shout out to JB who gave me the suggestion for this episode and to all of you listeners out there. I know you're listening to it on the ride to the rink or on the way back from school. And if you have an idea or something you want me to talk about, just shoot me an email, send me a message, and I'd be happy to talk about it in a future podcast. So don't feel weird about it. JB didn't feel weird about it. He gave me this idea and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, when I talk about the eight keys to having a great game, this makes me feel nostalgic for when I first started Total Female Hockey back in the day started Total Female Hockey 15 years ago, and a lot of what I talked about in the beginning were these types of areas, the, the keys you can do on and off the ice to give yourself an edge. How do you get an edge on the competition? What can you do a little bit more of that's going to separate you from everybody else? So I'm super psyched to talk about this. I love giving speeches, love doing seminars for teams. So if your team or your association is looking for some inspiration and some information to take your game to the next level, you can send me a message too. So just key, if you're thinking about your next game, you got to remember most of the on ice work has already been done. You're not going to wake up on game day and all of a sudden be able to shoot a slap shot bar down if you couldn't raise it on the ice or off the ice the, de- the night before. Similarly, if you're a coach and you've never showed your team a 1-3-1 power play, you're not just going to wake up on game day, show it once on the board and they're going to be able to run it. So a lot of the on-ice preparation from an individual and a team standpoint has already been taken care of and you've done that work. What we're going to focus on today are the little things, the habits that make a massive difference, which I guess doesn't make them little things anymore if they're going to make that big of a difference. Things that you can do every single time you've got a game to be consistent about that, again, probably most people aren't doing. It's going to set you apart. It's going to give you a routine. It's going to give you some consistency. And over time, I remember in my own hockey career, I built my routine over time. And as I got through college hockey or into pro hockey, or even as a coach, anytime I broke that routine, you know, it it meant made me feel less prepared for the game. I was still able to push through, but I know that hitting some of these eight keys absolutely has a massive difference on my performance as a player and as a coach. So we're going to get rolling right into it. First things first is your sleep. And I'm sure all the parents out there are nodding, so you're welcome. Sleep, number one thing. Now, not always something we have a ton of control over, especially if you're an older player and your practices end at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. But don't tell me you're not on social media or on your phone till one in the morning anyways. You can control that part. Um, And even for younger kids, staying up a little bit later and, you know, wanting to read or watch TV or whatever you're doing on your phone, these are choices we make to go to bed a little bit earlier and be a little more consistent if we can about bedtime, but I know that's hard in the world of minor hockey, depending on when your practices are and when your games are. Maybe try to be a bit consistent about the amount of sleep you're getting, but I'm going to give you a couple tidbits to think about. One is the most important night of sleep when you have a big game is the night before the night before. So if I have a game on Saturday night, 
it's not the Friday night sleep. It's actually the Thursday night sleep that's going to have the biggest difference. And I, I like that idea and I believe it to be true because sometimes the night before a really big game, you're super nervous. You can't really sleep. You're playing your number one rival. You're playing gold medal game in a tournament. I know for me, when I was playing in college hockey, we, we won a lot of championships. We had a lot of big game opportunities. And that night before, I was usually just so focused on the game and so excited I didn't get much sleep. But focusing on the night before the night before and knowing I got a good amount of sleep in that night really, really made a big difference for me. The second thing about sleep is the hours you sleep before midnight count more than the hours afterwards. So not to say that you want to sleep from noon you know, to 8 p.m. and then stay up all night, but if you can get to sleep a little bit earlier, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, those hours before midnight are much more valuable to your body in terms of recovery and getting ready for the next day than the hours after midnight. So to all the parents out there listening of teenagers, you're welcome. Maybe they'll listen to me if they're not listening to you, but it makes a massive difference in your performance to go to bed at 11 instead of 12 to get that extra hour of sleep. You know, I'm not going to bore you with numbers and studies, but I will tell you it's a massive thing and it's something you do have some control over. So put that phone away, turn the TV off, go to bed a little bit earlier, get more rest. Number two, drink more water. I know guys, I'm really blowing, you know, blowing your minds here with all the exciting things we're going to talk about today. I promise we'll talk more about what you do when you get to the rink, but drinking more water is probably the number one thing that every player and every team can do to increase their performance. I would guess most players out there listening right now are dehydrated. And if you could be hydrated, your performance is going to go up 5%, 10%. It doesn't mean you all of a sudden are going to be able to do a backhand bar down. If again, you don't know how to shoot a backhand shot. It's not, you get 10% extra skills. It just means you're going to be feeling better and performing closer to 100%. And it's so easy to drink more water, right? Fill up your Gatorade bottle, or your BioSteel bottle, or your water bottle from school. Drink a glass of water as soon as you get up in the morning. These things add up. And, you know, it's not exciting. Maybe it doesn't taste as good as, as the sports drink or whatever you're, you enjoy drinking a little bit more. But hydration matters. It's huge. If every player on our team was more hydrated, our team would perform better. It's so easy. So easy to knock out of the park. So how do you know how much water to drink? I've always used this calculation. Again, there's lots of different ways to go through it, but not everyone needs eight glasses of water a day. Obviously, if you're a little smaller, you're a little bigger, your needs might be a little bit different and also how much you sweat. I sweat a lot when I played. I sweat like walking up a flight of stairs. It's not because I'm out of shape. I just sweat a lot. And two of my three kids are like that too. So I guess it's got to be genetic. So I needed to drink a lot of water. But here's how I would do it. Take your body weight in pounds. So I'll tell you guys, I'm 160 pounds. I'm not ashamed of that. I think more female hockey players need to be okay with whatever weight they are and not shy away from it. I actually weighed closer to 175 when I played, so I don't have quite as much muscle now. But anyways, I'm 160 pounds. So take that weight in pounds, divide it by two. So 160 divided by two takes you to 80. Take that number then and divide it by eight. And that number for me is 10. And that tells me the number of glasses of water I need per day in order to stay hydrated. So 250 milliliters of water, which is not very much water. One of those you know, Gatorade bottles or BioSteel bottles is closer to a liter. So for me, I need 10 glasses of water, which is really like two and a half Gatorade bottles a day to stay hydrated. That doesn't even account for 
the amount of hockey I'm playing or the activity I'm doing. So I'm not doing as much hockey and activity as I used to back when I was a pro player. But generally, you need at least half a bottle, you know, 500 milliliters more of water in order to be hydrated based on your activity. So if you're playing an hour of hockey, of intense hockey, and you're sweating a lot, you need at least another two glasses of water, 500 mils, to replace the amount of water that you lost during that activity. So I'm sure most people listen to this and go, uh, I don't drink enough water. And when I have people do this calculation in the seminars I run, almost every single person's hand goes up and says, I'm not drinking enough water. And actually everyone like who has a water bottle drinks a bunch of it as I'm going through this talk. So if you've got a water bottle next to you, chug some of it now. Now, obviously if you don't drink enough water now and you hear this podcast, you're like, Kim said to drink two and a half bottles of Gatorade or, you know, from my Gatorade bottle, two and a half bottles of water, you're going to be in trouble, you know, during the game because you're going to have to go to the bathroom the whole time. So let's be real and let's be realistic about it. If you're not drinking enough water now, drink two more glasses of water tomorrow. Do that for a couple days and then up it from there. You know, I, I always give this speech. It always seems to fall on deaf ears. And one year when I was coaching uh, a junior team here in Toronto, I'd been harping on this and all of a sudden... That year, I had uh, an Olympian as an assistant coach. Uh, Megan Bozek was our, our assistant that year in, in our, with our Leaside Junior team. And I'd be talking about these habits and getting more sleep and drinking more water. And then I had Megan talk about drinking more water and she brought in her water bottle and showed everybody. And then, of course, the next day, everyone's drinking tons of water. So, you know, if you have an Olympian kicking around who can tell you to drink more water, uh, that might help get the message through to your team. If it's just a uh, little old me and that helps, that's going to make a big difference in your performance, too. So drink more water, do that calculation. Or if you already know, hey, I'm, I'm just not drinking enough, um, Start drinking more, a couple more glasses every day. I promise it'll make a difference. And have a glass of water as soon as you get up in the morning. That's the easiest way to knock one of those glasses down and uh, and get ready for your day. So last piece on this kind of not so sexy stuff, <laughs> train, and I promise we'll get to the hockey bit soon, is your nutrition. Now, I'm not perfect when it comes to nutrition and I'm not a nutritionist, but I think we all know we can make better choices and worse choices when it comes to pregame nutrition. I like to think about nutrition as having three boats and every food you eat goes onto one of those three boats. You can be on a yacht, you can be on a rowboat, or you can be on the garbage barge. And every food we consume goes on one of those three boats. So when I usually when I'm talking about this with a group, we start talking about, about the garbage barge foods. Now remember, a garbage barge doesn't move very fast. It just sits there. It's stinky. It's not a high-performance boat by any stretch of the imagination. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got the yacht. I've never actually been on a yacht, but they sure look fancy. They move fast. They're high-performance machines. you got to take care of them in order for them to perform their best. And then you've got the rowboat in the middle, which gets you there. It's not fancy. It's not high-performance, but it's good enough to get you from point A to point B. So every food goes on one of those three boats. So what's on the garbage barge? You can yell them out now, we all know. The chips, the chocolate bars, the sugary drinks, the candy, the cotton candy, a lot of the stuff you get at the rink snack bar, that goes on the garbage barge. And if you're gonna eat that food, you gotta know that I'm not gonna get high performance. It's, it's like, you're a high performance car. Whatever that is to you, I'm not a fancy car person. You're a Porsche. You're a Lamborghini, you're a Ferrari, you're a high-performance athlete. You are not going to put crappy gas 
into your high performance car. You're going to put the best gas you can afford into that car. Well, it's the same thing as a hockey player. You want to put the best fuel you can into your body, especially on game day to get the best performance out of your body that you can. If you're going to put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. So stay off the garbage barge absolutely as much as you can. Let's think about one particular food and how we could put it on each of the three boats. I like to use the example of a potato. How would a potato fit on those three different boats? So if you just had, you know, a plain baked potato with nothing on it, real simple, that's probably a yacht food. We all need carbohydrates to help us perform in the sport that we're playing. So just a plain potato, a baked potato, you know, maybe an air fried potato, something like that. That's probably a yacht food. Okay, what's the garbage barge version of potatoes? Well, we all know it's French fries or potato chips. And what would be in the middle? Okay, maybe a baked potato with sour cream and cheese and bacon. It's not great. It's definitely not something you want to have, you know, two hours before your game because it's probably got a little bit too much fat in it to get processed in time to be turned into energy. But it's not the absolutely worst option. It's certainly better than French fries and potato chips. So if you think about all the foods you could possibly eat, which boat do they go on? And some of them go on, can be on all three boats. We know fruits, vegetables, you know, lean proteins, uh, complex carbohydrates, water, those types of things are all on the yacht. And we want to be on that yacht as much as possible. But if you've got to go through the drive through and you've got options, you're going through Tim Hortons, for example, to all my Canadian listeners, right? You know the box of 10 Timbits is not a great pregame meal. Maybe it's a postgame celebration treat, but it's not a pregame meal. There are better selections you can make, whether it's in the morning or during the day. So, you know, a bagel with butter, again, is this a great pregame meal? Absolutely not. It's not a gold standard. It's not a yacht food, but it's a rowboat food. It's going to give you that energy, but it's not necessarily going to give you the best performance. So that's the way I like to think about it. Think about your foods, thinking, uh, fitting on one of those three boats. And then when it comes to game day, you want to be on the yacht because you want to have the best performance possible. So stay on the yacht, get off the garbage barge, be on the rowboat if you have to. When I was in high school, my pregame meal was always the same. And, you know, we didn't cook a lot in our house. I grew up a lot of uh, microwave, toaster type of foods. And so my pregame meal was two Eggo waffles in the toaster with peanut butter and jelly. I would argue now that that's a bit of a garbage barge food, but it wasn't a bag of chips and a Coke. And I wasn't making, you know, chicken and rice and nobody was making chicken and rice or anything like that for me. So it was fine. I got used to it. I was consistent. I could make it myself. You know, like I said, probably a rowboat slash garbage barge food. So... We got to do the best we can, but on game day, let's try to stay on the yacht as best we can. All right, we're going to move on now to maybe a little bit more hockey specific talk. This is my favorite one, and I think it has a massive difference, is you've got to set some goals for yourself for that game. And you're going to do that by setting personal checkmark goals. So your team might have goals you want to achieve every game or over the course of the season. And that's great. You want to buy in to whatever your team's doing and make sure you're doing the right thing system-wise or style-wise in order to bring success. But you can't just focus on the team game. You've got to also think about how your game fits into the bigger team game. So how do you play your game in that style or in that system of what the coach is asking for? And so you've got to take control of your own game and you've got to set some specific goals. 
And to be honest with you, this is how you build confidence. Confidence doesn't come from coach saying good job or your parents saying good job or a teammate saying good job. That's going to help your confidence. It's not going to hurt. Confidence really comes from you controlling the narrative and setting these goals for yourself day in and day out. So if I'm going into a game, I want to set some checkmark goals. That means they're little goals that I can check off after the game to see if I achieve them. So I think it's realistic for every player to set three goals for every game. I think that's realistic from U11 all the way up to the pros. Three things you want to work on for that game. So maybe two of them are things you know you can deliver on and one is maybe a little bit aspirational. So I'll use myself as an example in the style I played. I played forward in days, so let's just say I was playing forward that day. I was kind of an in tight, in front of the net goal scorer, like picked up a lot of people's garbage and shoved it in the net on the rebound. You know, I got the ugly goals that still count, but there's no video next to the goals when you score them. So I'll take any of the ones I can get. But I, my whole career was built off those ugly ones in front of the net. Those are hard ones to score. You got to be willing to pay the price. So for me, one of my key things I would want to make check a check mark on is to make sure I'm getting solid net front positioning and getting scoring chances from in tight. For me and my style, if I'm just floating around the outside, not getting into physical physical contact, not getting into those dirty areas, I'm not going to be effective to myself and I'm not going to be effective to my team. No one was expecting me to be fancy floating down the ice with the puck. Everyone expected me to be grinding it out along the walls and in front of the net. So I had to embrace that. So one of your check marks should be tied to your identity, the, the piece of the puzzle that you are for the greater puzzle of your team. You need to have a check mark like that. They can't all be aspirational of things you don't do yet or maybe the player you want to be. You got picked on this team for a reason. Make sure you deliver on whatever that reason is. And if you don't know what that reason is, ask your coach, ask your teammates, and make sure you're delivering that check mark every single game. So let's say one of them for me was make sure I get into the dirty areas and then I'm getting scoring chances in, in tight. Another one for me might be to win my wall battles. I was great at that. I was a big, strong kid. I was a soccer player, so I was really good at kicking the puck out of the wall. I was also a basketball player, so I was really good at protecting the puck with my body. So again, a huge part of my own personal success, a huge part of what my team and my teammates would be expecting of me. So that would be another check mark. And then probably for me, the third one would be something that I wasn't as great at, which would be like have quick feet, quick first three steps. I was a very fast player, but it took me a little while to get going. And so that would be something that's just aspirational. I'd be trying to do, I'd be thinking about maybe right before I go out. Obviously, I'm not going to be like doing power skating in the middle of a game. But that was something for me that I knew if I want to take my game to the next level and give a little bit more to my team, if I could just be a little quicker, that was going to make a huge difference in my personal performance and in the team performance. So let's say I wrote those three goals down. I like to write things down on paper because I'm an old person. Maybe you want to write it down on the phone, but you got to write it down. you got to put it in writing or else the goal isn't real. And if you write these things down before the game, now you actually have to go back and look at it and say, okay, did I do my three check marks? Did I get the three shots on net that I wanted? Did I stop my one-on-ones? If you're a goalie, did I control my rebounds into the corner? And now you're accountable. You've taken some ownership and you're accountable and you can check off those goals. And if you don't check them off, it's not the end of the world. Just think about, okay, why didn't I get that? You know, if I didn't get into any greasy areas in front of the net because 
my teammates were always scoring on the first shot and it just went clean in. Like, that's pretty good. I'll take that non-check mark. But if I wasn't getting into the greasy areas because I was too lazy or I was too tired, I didn't get enough sleep the night before, and I wasn't willing to pay the price, it just allowed me that moment of reflection to look back on it and say, did I do it? Did I not do it? And how could I do it better the next time? So I think it's really, really critical. Every team I've ever coached at the higher levels, we've done these check marks. We do them as a team for every single game as well. And for, you know, kind of chunks of games, three or four games at a time to gain these check marks. But I still have books in my office of the check marks I used to do way back in college. So I've been doing this a long time. I even do it before my squash matches that I play as an old lady now these days. Just three things that I want to focus on. And that's where your confidence comes from. When you start to knock off those check marks, you set a goal, you achieved it for yourself. You don't need to tell everyone about it, but you're going to feel good about yourself if you set three realistic goals and you knock them out of the park every single time you go out there. So that would be a big, 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 big key for me. It makes a huge difference. When I coached, you know, U18 and, and junior and I had a player who would come to me and say, oh, I'm in a slump and I can't get going and I'm not playing well. I would say, well, are you doing your check marks? And every single time they'd say, no, I'm not doing my check marks. So they aren't taking control of their own mental game. They're not controlling their own confidence. They're letting the score of the game, the comments of the coach, the comments of their teammates or their parents dictate if they feel good about themselves, which is crazy, right? You're a player, you're a part of the team. You've got to take control of your own confidence. You've got to drive that bus. That's number four. Okay, number five. I believe every player needs to do some kind of personal skills warm up before the game. So if that's stick handling a little bit at your house while you're listening to music, maybe taking some shots out on the driveway before you leave for the game. Obviously you can do stick handling in the hallway. I used to do, uh, I'd call it like wall tennis. I could have a tennis ball and hit the ball against the wall and let it bounce once before I'd hit it again with my stick. I guess that made me good at getting pucks out of the air. Um, I do keep ups with the tennis ball, a bunch of different things as I listen to music. So again, you can do that at home. You can do that at the rink. Just get you comfortable with the stick and, and kind of gives you a couple minutes of focus specifically on skill. For goalies, I know you guys are doing all this cool stuff, juggling the ball and throwing it against the wall. And, you know, I think that's all awesome. And I think that's a great way to get yourself, your skill and your coordination a little bit more fired up before a game. So I think every player, irrespective of your position, to take five, 10 minutes, whether it's at home, before school, if you just don't have time and your game's later in the day, just every little part you can do that moves you closer to mastering your craft adds up. Those little five minute, 10 minute blocks that, you know, maybe you don't want to do, maybe you want to stay on your phone or you want to watch the end of that show. You know, th these things matter over time. If you did an extra 10 minutes, six days of the week, that's an extra hour of skills development, coordination development, athletic development that you've done that maybe no one else is doing. You know, an hour for six days of the, you know, that's an hour a week. That's four hours, you know, pretty easily in a month of just extra stick handling. That's not nothing. That is of significance in your overall development, but just in terms of firing up your brain and your body for what you want to do on the ice, take those five, 10 minutes, you know, listen to music if you want to, do it with a teammate if you want to, warm up those hands, get yourself in the zone. You can do it at the rink, you can do it at home. I used to do it at home a lot. 
when I was in high school, and uh, I don't think my parents liked that very much because we had hardwood floors and I was banging around uh, with my wood stick. That tells you how old I am. Um, but get it done. Find a way to get it done, even if it's at the rink and you got a ball on your bag. Make it happen. Those little things add up, and they will make sure that your coordination is firing on all cylinders when you get into the game. Number six, the pregame warm-up as a team. Whether this is on the ice or off the ice. Most teams now do both. When I first started talking about this 15 years ago, I would say most teams didn't do an off-ice warm-up. Now it's pretty common. It looks different if you're coaching seven and eight-year-olds like I am, or if you've got 17 and 18-year-olds. Most teams are doing something, right? There's a physical part of that warm-up. There's a psychological part. You're together as a team. You know, you're doing some some chanting or cheering or listening to your favorite pump-up music. All that stuff is valuable. Make sure you're doing it. You're not messing around. This is, you know, me wearing my coach hat, right? Whatever it is, whether you're working on your mobility, whether you're working on little sprints, you know, do it together as a team, get the vibe pumped up, get the team going. You know, the physical part of it is is as important as the psychological part of it. And then when you get on the ice, same thing, right? Some teams have two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. You know, the the pros and the college teams, they, they've got a lot more minutes, right? But you've got to find a way to get into your own zone. Maybe focus on a couple of those things that are your check marks for the game. So for me in in our warmups, I'd be doing something around quick feet, even if it was just in the context of the warmup drills we were doing as a team, just getting those first three steps in or those quick tight turns or those tiny little crossovers coming out of my turns. I would just make that a point of emphasis. So don't just go through the motions in your warmups, whether they're on or off the ice, have some intention, Take some ownership, have some accountability to it, focus on the things that you know you need to focus on personally to be feeling your best, but don't forget that team vibe and the psychological advantage of everyone being there together and doing it together, that counts for something. It means a lot in terms of team culture and team chemistry, so don't go off on your own and say, oh, I want to do my own thing. Yeah, maybe you do that five minutes before the warm-up or five minutes after the warm-up. I get that. You need a little alone time to prepare. Maybe you're doing your your coordination work with your stick handling, but don't let that take away from the team vibe and everyone being together. And you don't need to go a million miles an hour, although I would argue if you have a two or three minute warm-up before a game, you can probably go pretty quick and just roll right into it. But hockey's kind of a weird sport. We warm up off the ice, then we put our gear on, then we warm up for a couple minutes on the ice, and then we got to go full tilt. You know, maybe not ideal. Probably a better scenario is not to have that time in between where you got to put all your gear on. That said, that off-ice warm-up is valuable in terms of getting the team together and your physical preparation for the game. And then obviously we need that on-ice warm-up to get our puck touches and shots on the goalies. So don't throw that away. Set a little goal or intention for yourself for that on-ice warm-up of one of your check marks that you just want to make sure you've really dialed in before the game starts. All right, so now... We're getting to number seven. We're in the game now. It's happening. I want to talk about mindset. Mindset matters a lot. How you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your team, it makes a huge difference. If we're going to be thinking negative thoughts, I can't do this, don't do this. You know, coaches, we do this on the bench sometimes. We tell players, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. We don't them. And then you could th- imagine from the player's perspective, you're thinking, what, what do you actually want me to do? Don't don't me. 
What do you want me to do? So coaches, it's a little bit of a challenge to you. Can you take the thing that you say, okay, I don't want you to ice it. I don't want you to throw it up the boards on the breakout. I don't want you to do that. Spin it and make it positive and tell them what you do want them to do. That's really important in terms of mentality on the bench. Again, as a team, you want to set those checkmark goals as, as well. Have three things that you want to work on as a team before every single game. Right, So we've got a little bit more focus. Hockey is a game that's very, very complicated. There's many things going on. We can't, as players, be processing all of that. But if you know there's three keys to your team's success in a particular game, you got to hammer down on those three things and use those as your keys to success for that game. So teams need check marks as well. I think it's really important, especially for younger players, sometimes when I'm running practices or on the bench for games, you feel like they're holding back a bit. They're not giving you everything, right? They're saving a little bit. Maybe they have a soccer game later. They have another game later, right? You're not getting the full out performance. And I always tell my teams, we've got to play with all gas and no breaks. It's just go, 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 go. And I even see this with my my own kid a little bit. She'll tell me, oh, I'm really tired. And I, I that's why I slowed down in that drill. Or that's why I slowed down on that shift. And we all know as coaches... Those moments when you're already tired and you push through, that's where you actually get better. It's kind of like going to the gym. If you just lift the same 10-pound weights all the time, you're not going to get stronger. You need to stress your muscles a little bit by lifting a heavier weight in order to see some improvement. Well, it's the same thing as players. Yes, you're going to get tired. You're going to have tournaments where you play six, seven games in a weekend. and You're going to be exhausted by the gold medal game. And I remember my friend Dan Church, who used to coach with the national team, he's the head coach at York University, whenever he gives a speech, he talks about gold medal day and how gold medal day is the most exciting, but it's also the hardest because you've already been through all that other stuff. You've played all those games. You've had the ups and the downs on the ice, off the ice as a team, and now you're expected to give your A++ performance when you've already had to go through the trenches and all the hard stuff. And that's the same thing for players as well at, at any level right? Every shift has got to be your best shift. I mean, that's the mentality you have to have. It's not necessarily always going to happen. You're not always going to have 100% gas in the tank. I get that. There's days I'm coaching where I've got 15% gas in the tank, but I'm still going to give 100% of whatever percent I have in the tank. If you've only got 50% because you've been sick or you're tired, don't hold 20% of it back. Give it all, right? And then your, your preparation and all the things you're doing with your sleep and your hydration, and your nutrition, and all those not-so-sexy things we talked about earlier in this podcast, if you're taking care of those details, then you are better able to push yourself a little bit over the edge of what you think is possible, because your body is prepared to recover afterwards. And so that's just a mindset. Don't hold back. Don't save anything. Give everything you can. You know, Coaches, players, teams, leave it out all, all out on the ice. I know I sound like the the NHL guys after the game with all the cliches they talk about uh, when they're getting interviewed. But it really, really is true. Think about that all gas, no brakes. Go as hard as you can. And if you fall flat on your face and you actually run out of gas and you can't make it up and down the ice, your body will actually get better up from that because you've just pushed the envelope a little bit and your body will compensate and recover. And now you know what your edge is. I always tell players this when working on skills. If we're doing edge work, and you're not almost falling over all the time, then you're probably not pushing yourself, 
I mean, not that you want to be falling over all the t time when you're doing edge work, but if we're working on tight turns and you're too scared to lean in on that outside edge of that front leg when you're doing that tight turn because you're not good at it or you're worried you're going to fall, where are you ever going to find what that line is? And it's the same thing when we're putting out effort in a game situation. If you're not willing to empty the tank, give 100% of whatever you've got on that day, how are you ever going to know what your edge is? You've got to be able to do that in practices. You've got to be able to do that in games. That's a mentality. Absolutely, it's a physical part of it, but it's a mentality to be willing, eager, wanting to do that, to push yourself to your max and to see how far you can really go. Because until you push yourself, how will you know? You don't know what the ceiling is. So let's find our ceilings and do that in our next game. The last one I want to talk about is some in-game refocusing strategies. So... You're all going to have a game once or twice in your life where you can do no wrong. Every pass is on the tape or perfectly weighted. Every stick handle is a good stick handle. You've got your head up. Every shot you're taking is finding daylight. Goalies, every save you make just feels effortless. You might have one game like that a year, maybe a couple, where it just seems so easy. But then there's going to be other games where you keep staring into the stands at your parents or your buddy who came to watch you, or you're getting distracted by your teammate who keeps talking about the party you're going to tomorrow instead of the game that you're playing right now, or you're going to get annoyed by your coach who keeps yelling and yelling and yelling and what are they yelling about, or you're going to have a bad ref or a ref you don't like as much, you know, something's going to annoy you about your opponents, you're going to get unfocused. And so I think it's really important as players that we have some kind of refocusing strategy that works for us, that when we're not 100% dialed in, we can bring ourselves back. How are we going to do that? I like to use box breathing to do that. So box breathing is pretty simple. You breathe in for a count of four, you hold it for a count of four, you breathe out for a count of four, and you hold that for a count of four. So you're kind of making a box with your breath of four second counts. It's a great way to focus before the game. Take a couple breaths like that. If you're on the bench after a shift, it's pretty easy to do a quick little box breathing and get yourself back, refocused, kind of get your breath back after the shift. If you make a mistake or something doesn't go as you would like on the ice, do that box breathing. Get yourself back in the zone. And it's something you can control. You can control your ability to breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. You have complete control over that. You don't have control over your opponent, the ref, your coaches, your teammates, the score of the game, the conditions of the ice, what people in the crowd are yelling. You have no control over that. You absolutely have control over your breathing and your thoughts. So what I used to do when I played is I would do this box breathing before the game as part of my pregame prep. I worked up to being able to do eight seconds of it. I would sit up in the stands. I remember doing this at Dartmouth when I played there. And I would be staring at the ice while I did my box breathing, trying to visualize, you know, my first shift of the game or a couple shifts of my game or some key areas where I wanted to execute really, really well that game. And sometimes it was hard to do because there'd be figure skaters out there or some little kid's game going on and I'd get distracted and I'd come back to my breathing and I'd try to visualize again what I wanted to do in the game. And then when we got into the game situation, it wasn't always easy to do the eight eight by eight by eight by eight box breathing because you get tired a lot uh, when you're playing college hockey. But I would use the four by four box breathing and I would actually stare at the line 
either on the red line or the blue line across the ice for me. That was my focus point because I knew every rink has got that little line, that strip that comes up the boards uh, that you can stare at. And it just gave me a focus point. I could still watch the game. I could still hear what my teammates and coaches were saying. It didn't look weird. So I wasn't like doing any weird action that someone would be like, what are you doing, Kim? That's so strange. But it was giving me a moment to myself to recenter, to refocus, even after, after I had a great shift, just to keep myself in the zone. It was a little strategy I used that really, really made a big difference in my career and helped me to have more great games. And so think about these eight things. If you can deliver on all of them, you're going to have a good performance. Now, again, it all the work you've done previously in your practices and your skill sessions and your off-ice workouts and your team meetings and talking about your systems and your style of play, that work has already been done. That preparation is there. These are the little details that make a massive difference on game day or the, the day before game day or the night before the night before when we're talking about sleep. They really, really do add up. This is what being a high-performance human and being a high-performance athlete is all about, is taking care of these little details, these 10-minute activities, these extra hours of sleep, drinking enough water. Again, not the most exciting stuff in the world, but it really, really does matter, and it can be the differentiator. If you think about two players who've got comparable skill, and one of them is taking care of all these little details, they're slowly but surely going to edge ahead of that other skilled player because when you take care of your sleep and your nutrition and your hydration, you recover better. You can do a little bit more in your workouts. You can push a little harder in practice and that's going to allow you to get ahead of the competition. When you take care of your mental game and set goals for yourself and in your pregame warmup, you set some intention of what you want to do and you work on those areas that you really want to deliver on in the game. Those things matter. Your mental game matters a tremendous amount. Players who don't work on it, they're just relying on their skills and they're relying on them having that great game and not getting unfocused by what the ref's doing or what the other team is doing. They're just riding a roller coaster. All these things here, all eight of these things are going to allow you to be calm in the storm. They're going to give you that opportunity to have those great performances. And as the roller coaster goes up and down, you're going to be steady Eddie through the middle. So take care of these habits. Make sure that you share this with teammates, coaches, other parents who want to make sure their players are having great games as well. So feel free to share this out to your team or any of your friends who want to take their game to the next level. And remember, if you have an idea for a future episode and you want to share it with me, please feel free, shoot me an email, shoot me a message on social media. I'm always looking for great ideas. I've got a ton of them written down, but uh, shout out again to JB for giving me this idea today. I know we're all in the middle of the season and everything matters. All those little details can really add up. So take care of these eight things. Make sure you have a great set of games coming up here in December. Keep working hard and dreaming big and take your game to the next level.